Blog Talk Radio. I recently quit my job and took on a new venture in life. Welcome to Music from People I Know, where I catch up with friends, past and present, and talk about our music, inspiration, and passions. With a 15-year professional career in the music industry, I have met a lot of cool and interesting people. I'm here to share our stories. All right. Welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, today, our guest is uh, Jazz Limbo from uh, from Los Angeles, California. And uh, she plays in a punk rock band. She fronts the band uh, Fair Game. Um, they got a new uh, EP coming out shortly, and they're getting ready to play some shows. And they just took on a new member, and we're going to be talking to Jazz about some really cool stuff. So uh, how's it going there, Jazz? Really good. Thank you for having me. This is super exciting. Right done. Well, welcome to the show. You know, uh, it's a pretty free format. We like to just uh, be comfortable and say what's really on your mind about the topic. So, you know, what? Where did you start playing music? What What was the first place that you were like in it at? Man, I man, I've been doing music since I was a kid. Really, it's just kind of something that I always <clears throat> gravitated to, but uh. It's been a long career. I mean, I'm in my mid-30s right now, so I started when I was a kid, but I picked up the bass when I was about 14. <clears throat> oh, yeah. So was was the bass the first instrument that you played? Uh, it was actually piano. My grandmother teaches piano, or she did anyway, and so I, it was piano for me, and I did some singing stuff when I was, like, a kid in the choir, you know, elementary school, like, singing choir group after school. <laughs> Did you play the little flute thing, the little recorder flute? (laughs) I did play that, and then I uh, played the clarinet at some point in my life, too. (laughs) It's like a bigger, uh, it's like a bigger one of those. Yeah, Yeah, well, well, you know, I play trumpet, and I also play upright bass. That was my, my starting was trumpet to upright bass, and then I picked up electric bass, you know, so. Oh, nice. um, Yeah, no, I didn't actually know you were a bass player. That is really cool. Oh, you didn't? Yeah, no. No. So I used to throw all kinds of concerts there at the Veterans Hall uh, in Burbank back when we were kids, like 2002 to like 2004. I used to book all the Saturday, all the third Saturday shows with like Turn of the Screw and, you know, Stricken. And my band was Missing Johnny. I don't know if you remember us or not, but, Mm -hmm. you know, we were doing that. God, we were doing that a long time ago. What were you doing around then? Because you were you were definitely around. I know I've seen you at a couple of those shows. You'd been at least around the scene and stuff. Like, what oh were you gosh. up to? Were you playing in bands? In 2004? Yeah, we're we're starting at the beginning, man. We're going way back. <laughs> you know, in 2004, I uh, was just moving back from Lake Tahoe. I had graduated high school in 2001. I uh, moved to Lake Tahoe to do, I don't know what I was I actually did some community college up there. It was awesome. And it was beautiful. I spent a lot of time up there, but I didn't get to play much bass. I'd play a little bit of bass up there, but not as much as I liked. And I had to come back down to go to a Musicians Institute. I had a, a grant and it was going to expire. So in 2004, I think I had just moved back, honestly, to MI. And I was just getting started there. And man, <laughs> it seems like so long ago, 14 years ago. Amazing. 
I always forget that you're uh, you're also an MI grad. I you know I graduated there in '03. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. See. I okay. took RIT way back in the day when it wasn't like it is now. It, it was like I was looking RIT. <laughs> oh, is it not RIT anymore? No, they call everything you know it's like different stuff now, and uh, oh, the school yeah. has changed okay. quite a bit. Well, because they're they're more you know academic now, and they want to make sure everything is. Right. Got their is developing more because yeah, God, they were still like you know only like ten years old when I went there, <laughs> fifteen oh, years yeah. old or no. something like that. It's changed quite a bit actually, so it's it's a lot, yeah, it's a lot different than how we so, remember it. So, what was the first genre that you really got into? Was it punk rock, or were you like introduced to it through like hard rock and stuff like that from your parents? Yeah, my dad did introduce me to punk rock. This is true. But, you know, before that, I was, I actually really enjoyed classical music. He listened to a lot of that. My parents did. They also listened to a lot of reggae, Bob Marley, all that kind of stuff. Um, my mom was huge into Steve Dan. But, I mean, all these are so bass driven. Like, get right. introduced. And then when my dad started, my dad really was the one who introduced me to Rancid. It was a, a moment in the car. I'll never forget it. And he's like, playing that song, you know, we don't need water, let the burn. Oh, man, can you imagine? Yeah. Right. And then, so, yeah, so I mean, then, I, <laughs> as a bass player, I'm sure Rancid is one of your, uh, one of your more liked punk rock bands, as it is for me. What happened the oh, first yeah. time you heard Maxwell murder? I mean, that, that bass solo that he does in that is just like, yeah. kind of <laughs> what inspired me. Is that, is, what did it do to you? Well, you know, as a kid, like, I had no idea how he did that. I couldn't even, I remember trying, even, like, trying to learn his stuff. It was just totally out of my realm. I was a new bass player at that time, of course. I had just picked up the instrument, you know, I'm a kid. But, so, yeah, to me, like, he was, like, a god, right? Like, it's just, like, amazing. Right. Here I am 20 years later, though, and I, oh, my God, I still have so much respect for them and, and those guys and what they do, but it's different now. You know what I mean? It's when you kind of like know your instrument differently than when you first pick it up, it's a different feeling and you still have a lot of respect right. and like mad love for them, but you're not in so much shock and awe. I think that's what wears off. It's like the shock and awe of it. You go, Oh, yeah. Like, the impossibility of it is gone. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like you're like, wait a minute, I can do that too. Like, okay. You know, and not to discredit that feeling, but yeah, I, I guess that's, see, it's an even more empowering feeling, like, when you can, like, play some of that stuff and go, oh, like, this is his thing, you know, he has, like, a bag, like, his bag is his bag, if you want to talk, like, bass playing, like, Matt Freeman has his style of bass playing, and that's what he's really good at, you know what I mean, right. same with Flea, and that's what he or, does, he, yeah, he does, exactly. it. and Fat Mike's the same way, too, from No Effect, yeah. oh, my God, yeah, or Flea, right, like, they have their bag, and that's what right. they do, and I think that's so awesome to like really own what you're really good at and shine there and not try to do, you know, 50 million things and be everything. Sometimes that gets like, yeah, I've always taken on that role and I don't know how not to take on that role. So I've tried to learn how to shine at taking on every role possible. Yeah. Is that a thing? It is a thing. I think that's just a different thing. And I certainly experienced that. Like a good 10 12 years of my life working at MI I had to like play everything under the sun and take I took it to heart to really like try to emulate the styles and 
match the vibe of the tunes, whatever it was. And it wasn't always punk rock, of course, hardly ever at that school, but, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, they, they exposed you to a lot of stuff like funk and jazz, a lot of blues and like rock and roll, right? Like real rock and blue and, and soul and stuff like that. Right. Oh yeah. I love playing the blues. I think blues is such (laughs) a integral, important part of any musician's bag. If you don't, really know how to play a blues well or if you think that it's just some kind of easy whatever thing to blow off you you know probably don't know the you don't blues know the blues. Well as you yeah yeah there's a lot of history behind it and just a lot of i can't i don't know how to describe it like it's a good recipe right like oh i know that recipe uh, do you really though like blues is very you know what i mean anyway <laughs> yeah everybody thinks it's so cookie cutter but it, it's really not and yeah. every riff does sound, have its similar sounds, but when you actually analyze what they're doing in it, the chord structures and the songs and the developments are all so different. Right. Do you do you put that into the songs that you write? Does that does that like heavy development go into your songs? I think there's a simplicity simplicity behind that heavy development that you're talking about. I think that's where the magic happens, like not getting too caught up in being the person who has the song with a million chord changes and the fancy voicings. You know, it's not always about that. I'm kind of a Green Day girl at heart, and he was like the master of the three chord. You know what I mean? Because then the melody can really shine on top. Um, I, I, I right. think that's why I, I like to play bass. Yeah. Because there's I so much melody agree. in Here, bass line. Let's play 1980 from from your band's uh, first album. What's that Fair Games' first album called? Is it just a self-titled EP? Uh, Fair Games' first uh, was called Bra- is called Breaking Rules, and it was just last year. Oh, it's kind of crazy to talk about that. Yeah, it just came out last year. It's barely a year old, so it's kind of crazy to be talking nice. about it, like this past tense thing. But you're right. We are in the middle of recording another one. So, yeah, I mean, Yeah, it's an old it, song now, man. Yeah, let's hear it. Well, you know what? Before you play it, I have to mention the other guy in the band, Paul. He's a bass player, too. He actually wrote this song a long time ago, and it's close to his heart. And for him nice. to let us, you know, yeah, to him for him to let us play it and use it on the EP was really awesome. So it's great, you know. Here's, this is a song from another oh. bass player. So really, he wrote the bass line and everything. I have to, I have to give him credit. Nice. Well, shout-outs to Paul. Killer job. Yeah. I like this song, by the way. I, I listened to it earlier. Is it, I want to play it because it's like that perfect three chord thing that we were just talking about, you know? I know. Everybody's freaking love this thing. Welcome back. That was off of uh, Breaking Rules from Fair Game. I got yeah. Jazz Lim on the phone today. And we're we're getting down. We're talking about some really cool stuff here. So, you know, what was it about punk rock that really grabbed you? Yeah. Can you say that one more time? Oh, sorry. Hello? We got a kind of delay there. I'm here. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That tripped me out. I wasn't sure okay. if it was me or... No, no, I heard it too. So so what was it about, about punk rock that really spoke to you? Like, what 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 just grabbed you about it? Oh, the lyrics, man. There's nothing like a good punk rock song with with the lyrics, you know? I don't think there's any other genre of music other than, like, rap or something that really kind of <laughs> empowers you more than the lyrics of punk rock music. 
don't right. know. Yeah, I, I mean, that, yeah. Do, you, do you find the power from, like, you know, all that passion and stuff, like, finds its way into the music and, like, develops this really loud sound? Is that where, like, the punk rock thing comes from? Mm, I think the punk rock thing comes from... It's like your soul, it's your heart, it's your vibe. Even if you don't have the punk rock gear or the punk rock clothes, you know, or you don't have the punk rock hair, it's just, to me, it's just something you are, you embody, you know, it's a, it's a, almost like an attitude or a lifestyle where you're really kind of, kind of self-confident in a way. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Punk rock always just made me feel really strong really confident and really good. Punk rock is a very male-oriented genre. There's a lot of guys, and most of the fronts of most of these bands are all, you know, guitar players. Uh, Mm. Do you feel like there's a a lot behind you that you have to to meet to to be able to be a female bass player front? I think um, there was a time in my life where I felt that way. Definitely. I felt like, man, I got to really like prove myself and Hey, you know, that made me a better musician and a better bass player for it. I certainly took the time to really like dive into it and go to school and educate myself and, and check out all these, you know, styles of music and did a lot of auditions and gigs. But, you know, more recently, I guess when I started this band, that's when I kind of decided like punk rock has always been my thing. Like I just, I don't know, maybe I just don't want to grow up or I don't, I, I just love it so much. <laughs> I just, yeah. And I don't see it going away. I just see it getting bigger and better all the time. I mean, if you ask me like what's the next up, up and coming genre, fucking punk rock. Sorry. Excuse my French. <laughs> it was true. Uh, no, French is welcome. We like okay. we like fucking language on this show because like okay, we can. Okay, wasn't sure. Okay, great. F <laughs> F the FCC, man. Okay, no censors here. Shit. Here yeah, we go. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm trying to get like a marijuana portion of this show, and I haven't gotten too uh-huh. successful in that yet. But like wow, I'm trying to like be able to get paid to smoke weed. <laughs> really? Well, I did work at a dispensary yeah. for a good handful of years. And yeah. I, I oh, know nice. quite a bit about the subject. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well. Well. Maybe next time I'll when when I get that going, I'll have you back on the show. Dude, bass and bud. So, we can just talk about bass and talk about weed. Can't go wrong, right? That's a perfect conversation, I'm man. That's my two favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> so, do your ne- nerves ever get the best of you when you're out there on stage and you're you're trying to rock out and? You know, you're putting on this show, you know, I've seen some of the footage you do and you actually do like a a show. You're not just one of those bass players that stands there and shoegazes. You actually work the crowd and, you know, and and interact. Do you find that you really have to push yourself and like push boundaries? I think some nights, yes, you know, because we all have like, we're all human and we have all had those nights where we just don't want to do anything or something bad happened. You're cat got run over like whatever you know and sometimes you really have to push yourself but I can't remember who told me this but you know the feeling of nervousness like reminds you that you care about something and in the moments that I'm not nervous I kind of like try to make myself a little bit nervous because I want to care of course I do I've played played so many shows it's ridiculous like I mean we have a career that's spent almost your lifetime like you've hit the stage quite a bit and so sometimes that like initial nervousness it doesn't really, you know, 
hit me, but I think it does a couple, just a couple seconds, right, before you start the show. There's still that edgy kind of like, oh, man, what's going to happen? But it's kind of like once you dive into the pool, you're in, and you just you just start swimming, and you just go for it. And, it, you know, nervousness shows that you care. It means that it means something to you, that it's important, right? You wouldn't be nervous otherwise. So, I don't know, something to be said Right. Yeah, I get that feeling every time I do the show, like, and I just realized, like, I made a mistake on it. Like, when I played the song, I hit the mute button on me, and nobody actually heard that song. So we had, like, four minutes of silence, and I'm just now realizing that. And I don't have, like, a program director to go, hey, hey, guy, you're messing up. You know, I have to pay attention to all this stuff. And what do you do when you have an error that happens? You know, the show just goes on, right? Do you ever stop the song and go back? Oh, dude, I nervously laugh. That is one of my things. I, <laughs> I'm doing it right now. I mean, I've had moments on stage where it's just like, dude, what is happening? Are you kidding me? And, yeah, I just I laugh. You know, there's no reason to get mad. I mean, at yourself or anybody else. I, just, I think that kind of stuff is funny. But th- did that just happen? Are you talking about right now? Yeah, I just did that. <laughs> <laughs> so no one got to 1980? Uh, no, but I'll play. I'll play it again. I'll, I'll make sure everybody <laughs> Great job, gets to hear Paul, 1980. That song was amazing. <laughs> let's let's go ahead and play that again right now, so that everybody can hear 
So I love how that uh, that just kind of happened like that because you know <laughs> it, it shows that things aren't always rainbows and unicorns. But how how is it for you? Like, you know, was it was there some like really gnarly things that you had to go through to get to where you're at now, so that you had the desire to be able to like push through and deal with all the nonsense? Uh yeah, it's funny you should say that. I uh, reconnected with this other bass player friend of mine, Ashley. She plays bass for uh, Cher right now, which is super cool. But <clears throat> it was weird because when I, you know, first started playing bass, I auditioned to go to this music or this arts high school. And the year I thought I was going to get in, I ran into this girl, Ashley, and she had this awesome gold and red bass, and she knew all this jazz stuff that I didn't know. I showed up knowing all <laughs> this punk rock. I seriously, I can look back and laugh. I was, you know, I was 14. And I showed up knowing all these punk, punk rock bass lines that I thought were so awesome. And she knew all this jazz stuff. I mean, she was clearly a better choice for the school looking back on it. This is a prestigious jazz music high school, okay? Right. Not to say that I didn't. I certainly got my time in the jazz band. And I love, you know, every moment I spent doing that. But she got the chair. And, you know, like what you're talking about, that was my first moment of, like, devastation. I still go back to thinking of crying, like, the little girl that I was and just asking myself, like, could I, can I face this rejection? You know, the first time someone tells you that you're not good enough to get the chair or to get, you know, any audition that you go for, like that first time you're told, no, man, that's deep, you know? And I, I think every musician can relate to that and has been there. And if you haven't been there, well, bless you. You're you know, right. <laughs> like, yeah. You're like some prodigy that everybody wants to, uh, you know, to hire, but man, it happens to the best. So the funny part of the story is uh, she came back into my life years later. I mean, almost 20, 20 years later, I want to say, probably less than that. She showed up at my door one day because she was playing for the band Filter. And at that time, my husband was their tech. And he, you know, hey, we got this new girl on the bass. She's meet her. Oh, okay, great. Love to. And I opened the door. Yeah, and there she is. And I swear to God, I just, I just, <laughs> I just melted into that little girl all over again. I was, I remember I was crying and just like, I couldn't believe it was her and it was her and she <laughs> remembered me. Yeah. I I recently went what to her moment. wedding. It was, oh my God. It was a beautiful thing. We recently went to her wedding. She married the drummer from that gig. And they're such a great couple. His name is also Chris. Same as my husband, man, everything comes full circle, you know, and to see her doing really good in her uh, base career right now just brings me so much joy. And uh, she's so kind enough to, recommend me for gigs now and just to know that we have that camaraderie after all these years and right. I think it felt really good to know that I didn't quit either you know to be on the other end of it when you get the audition and someone else doesn't because that happens too you know hey sometimes you right. get them yeah. and you feel great but you gotta feel for your sisters too or for your brothers who didn't get it you know because they face that moment of like yeah like I did like of just sheer devastation I was Perfect. devastated Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's good. Yeah, I, I remember when I got cut. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got cut from marching band in uh, ninth and 10th grade for, for the parades. Oh, yeah. And it was, it was just devastating. I didn't get to do any of the parades. Uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't learn the parts right, you know, and we're not allowed to play without the music in front of us. And I couldn't right. memorize it because I had like such severe ADHD, and mm. it was so unchecked at the time that <laughs> like I couldn't remember a damn thing. And <laughs> yeah. uh, 
So I would play the songs completely wrong and I never got to march. And being told and failing at that is just like, oh my God, what the hell? And then I discovered marijuana and all of a sudden my attention, now I've got this thing when I get high where it's like hyper-focus. Whatever I'm doing, it's just, that's all I can pay attention to. I'm really glad you said that because I've been experimenting, like going back and forth, sobering up, because I smoked a long time and I have very high tolerance. I worked in dispensary, like I told you, like, what am I going to do, right? And I found the same thing. I did. I found the same thing because I can actually smoke, smoke and play a gig. I can smoke and go to rehearsal. I remember stuff quite well. And it's, I think that level of focus you're talking about, because I found that, you know, the gigs I did sober in my lifetime of sobriety, which is recently, I quit smoking for like a a month. And uh, (laughs) the gigs, I I know it's like, I have a problem, right? I like to smoke, smoke, whatever. I've decided that's the key to life. You're going to do something, just freaking own it. Fucking own it, right? Like, go and own it. My my doctor said, for God's sakes, (laughs) God's sakes, quit cigarettes, but smoke all the joints you want. Smoke as many joints as you want. If you want, replace every joint with a cigarette or every cigarette with a joint, and you'll be completely healthy for the rest of your life. You'll live to be 2,000 years old. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, no, uh, Dr. Green. That's my medical doctor. That's yeah, that's oh. my actual medical doctor. Oh wow, he's a wise man, man. It's uh, the Chinese know about all the the healing qualities of that herb. It is an herb and it's medicine, and you know, I don't have any shame. Well, but, it's no, just really. like burning basil, yeah. and there's a, a bay leaf. If you burn bay leaves, it gets rid of like all kinds of bacteria okay. in the air, and you know, it freshens up everything and kills uh, or boosts immune systems and all kinds of things. Yeah. I'm literally chewing on a fresh mint leaf right now. It's the same thing. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, you know, um, we grew up in a in a time with really good punk rock. We had like No Effects, Rancid, Strung Out, Propagandi. I know you hung out with some of those bands and play and idolized yeah. most of them. You know, well, what are you doing with Fair Game? To, to bring your music to that level, the experience and all of it. What are, you, what are you doing for that? You know, it's kind of weird because those are my favorite bands. Like, you literally, I mean, all you're missing is Lagwagon. No use for name up there, really. Those are my, yeah, no, those are my favorite bands. And it's kind of weird because, yeah, I'm a chick, and those are my favorite bands. So what does that, what does that sound like? I mean, literally, my voice has been trained to the, you know, key of Billy Joe. Like, I literally know every lyric and every word every you know old school green day tune you can imagine and that i mean i'm right there with you yeah yeah no use too and so i don't know i since this is new for me you know um it's my first time fronting and really writing songs and trying to find my voice it's it's something i think about like like what does that mic sound like or you know what do i sound like do i sound like that mic like do i want to sound like that mic or what does Joey Cape sound like? You know, how does a chick sound like that? I don't know. I do think about those things and um, everything kind of comes naturally because it's just the stuff I grew up listening to. I don't really think too much other about like the chords or, or boys. So now I don't know. I definitely think about those other bands quite a bit. I love Strung Out. Yeah, Strung Out's one of my favorites. And Propagandi. Those two are like two of my absolute favorite bands. And No Effects, Rancid, that whole list. <laughs> now, Propagandi's number one. Yeah. 
Yeah, Propaganda is so amazing. They're they're so awesome. They they cover everything from super hardcore politics to like, hey, watch that lady trip and fall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, and they're such outstanding musicians. Hey, are you using like a microphone that's on like your head headset or something? Sorry, zooming in and out. Yeah, you're cutting in and out. Okay, I'll try not to bless. Yeah, if, if you can like maybe just hold it close to you or something, that might help. Oh, for sure. How's that? Yeah, there you go. That's better. Right on. Yeah. So you know, do you think the quality of your recording matters, or is it just a good song and that's all it, it takes? Well, I think there's an avenue for both. Really, sometimes you have a great and it doesn't matter what it sounds like. You know what I mean? That's Those are the hits. And other times, you know, you have a song that's in, but when you get a record, it, you wow, this actually better. Alright. I'm going to cut you off right there. I'm going to cut you off right there. I'm going to play a song because we're having a technical difficulty. And I'm going to play a song and we'll come back to that oh, okay. question because that's a really good question.
All right. That was Fair Game off of Fair Game, fronted by my friend Jazz Limbo here, and she should be back on the line, and hopefully with a refreshed bandwidth, it should work better. Are you there? Hello, hello. I hear you. You seem to sound you fine do. now. So, Yeah. Okay, great. Nice. I think it's just, you know, it's just that one of those things where it just happens. Again, the Internet. show must go on. <laughs> Internet. So, you know, we were talking about, like, trying to bring your music to that, that level. And that that song there, I thought, was a really good idea of pushing it towards that, you know, raw but still, you know, kind of finessed punk rock of skate punk. I mean, that's really what skate punk is. It's like finessed punk. You know, what did it take to get to that? Do you sit there and practice eight hours every day? And do you, like, practice in a mirror, staring at yourself, making bass faces and <laughs> oh, practicing God. singing faces? Like, what, what do you do? Oh, man. No, I fall on my face quite a bit, actually. That's what I do. No, I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, I you know, that's, that stuff was, um... there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears for that one. I uh... I know you were going to ask me you know, about recording and quality and stuff. And I think sometimes if you have a great song, yeah, it doesn't need quality recording, but sometimes songs really do. And I need, I need that help. I need quality recording. Punk rock needs, there's some bands that get away with that really raw sound. That's not polished or the mists did it. I mean, but I think as we're more evolved now, punk rock like skate. That kind of polished sound that you're talking about. Right. Yeah, that polished sound is really difficult to get. I've been trying to get it for, I don't know, going on 20 years now. Uh, yeah. And it's still very difficult, you know, five studios later and, you know, probably about $20,000 later, you know, equipment's <laughs> expensive. Rehearsal spaces are expensive. You know, oh gosh, all this yeah. stuff isn't cheap. You know, no. how do you how do you plan on funding this project? Are you looking for a label or are you going to do this all independently? Well, the first one I funded all by myself. It was the first time I'd ever really done a record by myself ever anyway. I mean, I'm a bass player that's, you know, played for a bunch of people and been on other people's records. So I didn't really have that experience of like what it was like to print them out and get artwork together you know, decide what's going to be written on the back and if you're going to have a book and all that stuff, you know. So I went I went through the gamut and I did that for myself last year. And um, it was a huge console and got us in there. I would, Whatever uh, you're doing there, I'm uh, losing you. So if you're like jumping around or something, are you doing jumping jacks? Well, how about this? Is this better? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, good. Maybe. I don't yeah, good. Excellent. Okay. I have a lot of roommates. Everybody uh, this, uses the internet. What can I say? Yeah, it's hard, man. I, I understand. I, I have to spend, <laughs> I spend a fortune on my internet to be able to do this. <laughs> I think I should uh, drop AT&T. Everybody tells me AT&T is shit. I, I don't know. I, they would, the only thing you can get out here is Comcast, so. Oh, okay. Where are you again? That's I'm I'm out in western Colorado about an hour oh. an hour and a half from Aspen and about okay. an hour and a half from Moab, Utah. 
Wow. I, I, I had no idea. For some reason, I thought you were here in California. No, you know, I did grow up out there, but I've been out here now for like going on 10 years. Okay. Do you like it? Oh, man, I wouldn't give it up for the world. I came back out there for six months back in 2012 and lost my mind completely and uh, came back here and collected all back together. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I can understand that. My time spent in Lake Tahoe was time well spent. I really appreciated that fully. I'm looking at getting into some really cool things. I want to get into the tiny home movement and get off grid. Mm. And, you know, you and I, we share a lot of the same conspiracy theories. You know, I, I, I highly doubt 90% of the stuff that's put out there. And I know you and I are always like posting and liking the same <laughs> things on Facebook most of the time. <laughs> They're not theories. They're not theories. Okay. I'll <laughs> just stop no, right there. I agree. <laughs> Well, you know, you know the whole uh, thing with the the e or the EU saying that the whole nine eleven thing was a controlled demolition. You know. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, um, everybody knows. Uh, <laughs> so, do you ever make politics into your your themes, or do you try to keep it more personal and you know more based on life experiences? Uh, I try to be respectful of the band members because I know it, there was a time where some of the bandmates didn't think that was a good idea necessarily to bring politics into it. And, um, you know, the more time I spend on social media and stuff too, I find it's, it's less, uh, it's less of a good idea to do that kind of stuff really. Cause it's just creating odds and ends with people about stuff. That's really at the end of the day, I mean, it's important, but it's not really important. I don't know if, I don't want anybody right. to misunderstand. Yeah. yeah, I don't want anybody to misunderstand what I'm saying. Well, you can <clears throat> either become, you know, Rage Against the Machine, which was like yeah. super ultra political, or you become one of these other bands <laughs> that, you know, like Propagandi, they get political, but they don't stay political. You know, they get back to the the core of punk, which is like fun, good times, party times, you know, and they, they talk about what's going on, I think, you know. do you Do you approach it like that kind of? You know, the idea behind Fair Game was really to um, get people to trust their own intuition and trust their own, uh, I don't know, opinions and beliefs. It's kind of this quantum physics theory thing where I believe that everything is true. I mean, really, if you believe it, it's it's true. I, it's just a law of attraction. It, it'll bring you the signs that you're looking for. And it'll prove it to you every time. I mean, I know it sounds kind of crazy and far-fetched and weird, but like, I don't know. I want my. I'm a wholehearted to... believer of if you build it, they will come. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's what that song we just listened to is about, really. Like, I want people to kind of get that message and feel powerful. I think that's the whole reason I even do fair game is and wear the antlers and incorporate this feeling of like, I don't know. To me, it's punk rock. To me, it's punk rock to listen to your own gut and intuition and not have somebody else tell you what's real or not. You know what I mean? That's not punk rock. Like watching the news and sharing the same old regurgitated freaking video on Facebook that everybody's seen a million times. Like, I'm sorry, that's not very punk rock to me. <laughs> no. But having your own. So what's yeah. the deal with the antlers anyways? What, what, what does that represent? Is that part of the, the idea of life and death or something? Or what, what is that? 
Um, it's play on the word game because I also wanted to embody the fact that human, you know, people were treated like commodities. And if you don't recognize that stuff, if you don't see that you <laughs> are, yeah, like if you can't even, you've heard that Prop Gandhi song. <laughs> like yeah. if you don't recognize, yeah, how can you, you know, change, change starts with awareness. You know, if you really, and that's what we're, oh man, it's so good that we're like experiencing that in this time, you know, right now, this time that we live in, people are waking up. I think that's the most awesome thing ever. I know everybody hates our president and I hate him, but what's oh, awesome yeah. about what's him? Oh yeah, what's to like about him? Well, no, I didn't say, I'm not going to say what's to like about him, but what's awesome. Okay. And think about the word awesome, what that means, right? It's like, whoa, what's awesome about him it's, is it's, that he's... He just lets it fly. Dude, he really just lets it fly. And everybody's becoming more and more aware of, like, what's really going on. I think that's great. He's like this big, ugly red flag waving everyone's face, like, hey, we have a problem. You know, and that's, that's how you fix stuff. You got to know about it first. Right. So, so what was it that, or who was it? Sorry, not what, but who was it that inspired you to play music, like, there's one individual. You point it to one individual. You don't get to like say top five. You don't okay. get to say band. You get one individual. Mike Dirt. Green Day. I go back to Green Day every time. I know it's true, but God, he was so good on Dookie. Oh God, what a fucking awesome album, right? For dude, for a bass player. Okay, I I'd call you out. Any bass players out there listening right now, go pick up the Dookie record. Try to put every song on there. Try to go through. Pick out the tunes, play the bass lines. They're freaking hard. <laughs> they're hard. They're, they're hard. not easy. No, they're hard. <laughs> okay, and okay, that and the, and Descendants. Carl Alvarez. Can I have two? <laughs> uh, only in this situation. Okay, I'll accept it. Because <laughs> the like... Descendants are awesome. <laughs> you know, they're actually big time Colorado people now. They're, they they got like one of the only big recording studios here in the state. So yeah. owned by no, the I, descendant. I met Stacy, uh, Bill's wife, and I actually met Bill. Bill's super cool. I've met the whole band, to be honest with you. Carl, such a sweetheart. But um, I'm in a Descendants tribute band. I was doing that, and uh, that changed my life, man. Going back to what I was talking about earlier about being a kid and not being able to play the stuff, like, you know, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't play the Descendants. There was no way. I'd listen to that stuff and just be in shock and awe, just like the Matt Freeman stuff. I was like, oh, my God, this guy... The machine, this is insane. Like, no right. way. What is he even doing? Like, yeah, especially the descendant stuff. <laughs> Thirty okay? years later, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm starting to get a cold. Actually, I think it's like that springtime thing, and yeah, I got the sniffles. Right, and... right, yeah. There's a lot. Oh, of is it? It's hotter than hell here. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. You're in Colorado. <laughs> with the yeah, it's like it. Yeah, with the descent. Well, I'm like. Four hours away from like their studio, five hours. Yeah, they're kind of ways. Yeah. Yeah, I'm about three and a half hours from Denver and another hour from there to Fort Collins. Toured through there, uh, and my friend Des was managing, and that's when I kind of came up with the idea let's defend a street band and be female. I was like, hell yeah. So I just started listening to a bunch of descendants and, you know, being a lot older now and more into my baseline career, it was so easy for me to pick it up and actually learn the tunes. And I know so many other songs, but that really changed my playing. And then to meet the guys and to see how nice and genuine they are, um, man, this is mind blowing. 
All right. Well, hey, I'm going to play one more song. Okay. We're going to play uh, Band of Brothers. Actually, it's not one more. I got like three more lined up that we're going to end up playing in like five minutes. So okay. we're going to be playing song after song here real quick. Dedicate this one to Tim. All right, Tim. Here you go, bud. All right, welcome back. That last one there was 30-second song. That's kind of like their uh, 
punk rock 30-second anthem that, you know, every punk rock band has to have. And I love it. It's great. Awesome. I'm ready for that. It's right. <laughs> Thanks. So do you find that it's stressful to, like, come up with new material and keep up with what's going on around? Or do you just, you know, just do what you know and you know, just not even worry about the Joneses? God, I go back and forth. It really is a struggle, man. Sometimes it just flows out like nothing, and other times, yeah, it's it's a struggle. To, like stay inspired. Writing songs is hard, man. Some people they got that juice. I'm still working on getting flowing. <laughs> like, do you have a book full of songs yet, or do you just got like a couple pages of songs? I do have a book full of songs, but the problem is I don't go back to like really look at them. I think I need to spend more time doing that and asking myself, was that a good song? Should I be looking at that? Like, you know what I mean? Was there substance there? Like, did it, did it, did it right. click? Uh, you know, somebody once told me that if you go to bed and you wake up like at three in the morning and you have an idea and you go back to sleep. You didn't write it down, and you wake up in the morning and you try to remember it. And if you can't remember it, it wasn't good enough. I've heard that actually. I have heard that, and there's some truth to that because I feel like the best songs I've ever written, I can just naturally remember. I don't have to like stress about it. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh wow, like it's like they say, it's like it's writing itself. You know? Right. I mean, I I have a hard time. I guess, you know, I, I prepare questions and stuff and send it over to you so you can see so that we have an idea where this goes. But really, the questions are, if you're looking at those lists, the questions have been completely picked at random and are not on that order at all. So there's right. not really any planning. Do you find that doing the planning and all that kind of stuff, do you feel, don't feel like that sometimes that gets in the way? Do you feel like you need to just break it down, here's the three parts, now let's go, and then you just call the order, or do you actually, like, program things and get in and record and then, like, pre-produce and stuff like that? Well, with this next EP, we're trying to do more of the pre-producing kind of stuff. That way we do have a better game plan than the first one. And, uh, yeah, you know, some some songs, they don't need too much detail. I think just like life, if you get too much caught up in the detail, it can be self-defeating. <laughs> right, I I get that. I mean, some this show has really taught me a lot about like getting caught up in the details. You know, I try to mm-hmm. add this, I try to add that, I try to have everything going at one time. You know, and I've every time I try to do it, it just something comes up, and you know, I have to dumb it down. Do you do you do that a lot? Do you come up with these ideas where you want? you know, more than what you have? And do you think about making it bigger? And, you know, like Green Day now, they, they do like a full theater and they have an entire orchestra. Do you do you think of doing stuff like that? Oh, man, of course. Expansion is inevitable. But, you know, again, with like the details thing, sometimes they just kind of present themselves, the things that you need to happen or the opportunities that you're looking for. They just present themselves. And if you overthink it, and try to fill in those details, you know, on your own, that's, that's where you mess up because you have no idea. Possibilities are endless and infinite and, you know, but Hey, when you're as big as green day, then you just start making moves. 
You just do whatever you right. want. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I'm going to close out the show with one more song. We got a band of brothers that I'm going to close it out with. So you want to dedicate that one? You played that one. Did I play band of the brothers? Oh, Oh, yeah, I did. did. Yeah, no, I got daily grind ready. That's the one I wanted to do. Sorry. Oh, awesome. Yes. Can I dedicate this to my favorite bass player of No Use for a Name, Matt Riddle? Yes, absolutely. Oh sure. man, I just yeah, dude, it's so awesome to talk bass with all these people that I love and look up to, and doing the song was huge because it's such a no, huge no use for naming fan. So thank you. Awesome, yeah, thanks for being on the show. This is going to be our closing, so mm-hmm. I really appreciate you coming on, and you look forward to hearing your new EP. I put put some links in the in the info so you can keep up with the uh, jazz and what she's got going with Fair Game. Um, look out for her. All right, guys. Great, thank you. All right, see it. Thanks for listening. Show your support by subscribing and sharing. Music from people I know.